growing your beauty business doesn't have to be overwhelming. It's all about mastering a few key strategies and systems to save you time. Welcome to Beauty Marketing Simplified, a podcast dedicated to helping you on your entrepreneurial journey. I'm your host, April Meese. I'm a permanent cosmetic artist that built my six-figure business while only working three days a week and raising twin toddlers. I'm here to tell you it is possible for you too. With a background in spa marketing, it's my mission to help women worldwide get more profits while pursuing their passion and purpose. Let's transform your beauty business for more income and less stress starting right now. Hello, hello, everyone. So Haley Johnston is just so brilliant at Facebook ads and Instagram ads and Google. And she actually is the one that was in charge of my whole campaign for our last launch for top of funnel, middle of funnel, bottom of funnel. All that sounds like a foreign language. Don't worry. We're going to walk you through that today. Basically, she's brilliant in all things advertising. So, well, you know what? I should just say, Haley, why don't you introduce yourself and tell them a little bit about yourself? Uh, Thanks, April. Hi, everybody. I'm super excited to be here for you guys today. I'm very excited to talk to all of you guys. So yeah, I I run an agency called Piper & Co Digital. We have about 40 of us um, underneath the Piper & Co banner. We do everything from Facebook advertising to Google advertising, social media, content creation. We do web design, funnels, basically anything digital you can think about. Our team is super excited about digital marketing in general. We live and breathe. We do it day in and day out. We test, we learn, we grow every single day. So yeah, I'm really excited to be here and I'd love to run you through just a little bit of information about Facebook and Google. Yay, so exciting. So I love this. I love Haley's attention to detail. I love how, you know, during our campaign, she was keeping me up to date with There's so much that happens behind the scenes when you have a promotion or something that you're doing, you know, lots of details, lots of things that are happening. She's watching the numbers. You know, she's telling me what's looking good. She's in charge of it. She knows which direction we're going to go. It just feels good knowing that you have somebody that is on your side, that is paying attention to all the little things, especially, you know, as a beauty business owner, we're juggling all the plates, right? I'm juggling all the balls, spinning all the plates, doing a combination of everything. And so if this is not your wheelhouse, if you're like, oh my gosh, I just, I don't even know where to start. Today's presentation is going to give you like an insight on even the differences between Google and Instagram and Facebook, right? I'm putting Instagram and Facebook like together and then Google ads. And if you should do that and which path might be best for you. And Haley, do you want to go ahead and start the presentation? Yes, I will do that. So Basically, choosing between Facebook advertising and Google ads can really be a tough decision for any business because there's so much to know in the digital marketing world and so many different avenues that you can go down. So deciding what's right for your business can be dependent on a variety of factors from the spend that you're willing to pay for a conversion to the time that you have to actually manage your campaigns. So today, I'm here to explain the difference between Google advertising and Facebook advertising and the goals that you can achieve on each platform, the visual differences between them, and the advantages of each in growing your business so you can make an informed decision on how to best grow your business using these advertising platforms because we've found that the beauty businesses and service-based businesses, both of them are really, really great. 
So firstly, let's have a look at the definitions of Google and Facebook ads. So Google ads, they're formally known as Google AdWords. It's a pay-per-click service. It's a pay-per-click advertising platform for any business. So these ads appear in the search results on google.com or other websites through Google search partners or their display network. So Facebook ads, similar to Google, is a paid network and it appears in a number of different places on the Facebook app. So a Facebook newsfeed, Instagram newsfeed, stories as well, Facebook marketplace, video feeds, right-hand column, message inbox. So I don't know about you, but me, I sit in front of the TV watching Netflix. I'm scrolling through Facebook because I get distracted all the time. And I often see sponsored ads. I get served a lot of shopping ads, a lot of makeup style um, ads. And because that's, you know, Facebook algorithm have, you know, realized that that's what I am interested in. They're serving the ads to me based on my intent. So I like to purchase those products. So I get served the ads of those products and I impulsively buy all the time. <laughs> so that's the beauty of Facebook ads. So. Facebook and Google have serve a similar purpose in terms of marketing. When I think about Facebook advertising, I think more about brand building, building awareness about who I am to an audience that doesn't know me yet, growing my audience and also making sales. So whether that's product sales or service sales. Google ads, it's an immediate sale because it's based on intent marketing. Somebody is typing in PMU services around me and that are being served an ad, which might be your ad at the top of a Google search. So it's very intent marketing. Okay. But before we go into the differences between them, I wanted to talk about what a marketing funnel is. Every good marketer or salesperson relates to a marketing funnel. So a marketing funnel is the best way to attract your leads into your business and then just take them through a journey, a strategic marketing sequence to get them to build trust and affinity with you and your brand. And then obviously in turn, turn them into a longevity customer. So often if you're looking for exponential growth, you need to target cold audiences, people who don't know you yet and get them to know you, like you and trust you and turn them into a paying customer. So secondary to this, Sometimes funnels exist with existing customers to build brand loyalty and create repeat purchases. So basically, when we do marketing, we focus on both bringing in new customers, but also just getting those sales out of the current customers that you have and retention. So that awareness phase at the top is the top of your funnel. We call that the top of your funnel, TOF. The middle is consideration. That's the middle of your funnel. And the bottom is conversion. So that's the bottom of your funnel that you're running everybody through. Eventually, what you'd like to do with your marketing is to create an evergreen funnel. So something that is going to always be feeding from that top and then bringing them right down to the bottom to that conversion phase so they actually purchase. And evergreen just means that it's always flowing, meaning it's a constant way of attracting clients to your business and it's kind of automated for you. So it's making perfect sense. Great job, Haley. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, it's uh, just on autopilot. Getting leads on autopilot essentially is what we want at the end of the day. So now thinking about Google Ads. So the core of Google Ads is their search network. It allows advertisers to show their business ads to users who are actively searching for products or services that your business offers. Okay, so within the search network, 
Keywords are the center of your search campaign. So basically, you select keywords that are relevant to your product or business. And then when a user searches for a query related to your keyword, they will trigger that ad and it will show up for the user to click on. Okay, so if somebody types in permanent makeup or permanent makeup eyebrows or lash extensions or something like that, and they're looking for in their specific area, then the ad will show up. So each time a user clicks on the ad, the advertiser is charged a certain amount of money, which means that Facebook, uh, Google earns the name pay-per-click. So what I really love about Google is someone searching for a product or service that they want. So there's an active user intent. They're searching for a permanent eyebrow makeup, like I said, and they're likely looking for a business to get this done. So your business comes right up the top and they're likely to click that and look at your services. So pretty much every time when you Google something, a keyword will come up. Majority of times, this will be linked to some sort of ad. So you hear right up the top, the ad comes in the top of your Google search, and it actually has a little highlighted section that says ad up the top. So Google ads have grown over the years. And so has the number of ad formats available to advertisers. In addition to this ad format on the screen, advertisers actually have endless options of add-ons such as site extensions, location extensions, price extensions, call extensions. So this is all the stuff that's just coming up in this section here under what does it cost and all the different types of extensions that you can have to generate qualified traffic for your specific business need, essentially. So there's various ad format options. There's text ads, there's responsive search ads, there's responsive display ads. Text ads is the most popular. There's app promotion ads, there's video ads, product listing ads, commonly known as shopping ads. So if you're searching for something in Google, you may remember seeing, you know, if you're searching for shoes, you may remember seeing a whole list of shoes that you can go through that the businesses come up. So that's your product listing ads, showcase shopping ads and call only ads. So there's so many options on Google to advertise. We often start with the text ads because it is the most commonly known and the simplest form. Some people think that you need to have a really large digital budget advertising to be competitive on Google, but I believe that that's not actually true. I believe it's really good for service-based businesses. Sometimes when we hear all of those options, it can feel like overwhelming, right? Like which, you know, it's like when you look at, I always think of like the menu at the Cheesecake Factory. (laughs) There's like so many people who don't know what to pick, right? And so you said you like to start with the text. Do you think that that is one of the first options that came about? Basically original to Facebook. The other options are definitely valid as well. We doing things like the image ads and that come up during the Google display and network. You might be searching for something and then you've got your website page that comes up and you scroll down and you're reading an article that's completely irrelevant to what you searched. And then you see a little ad pop up and that is part of the Google display network. But really for us, it starts with text ads and actually nailing the text ads, doing all of the testing on the text, the call to actions and all of that stuff first, nailing that first and then following them around the internet, depending on your budget. So we like to do text ads first for that instance. Great. And then what would be your second after text? What would you say for the Google ads? What would be your second? I would do image ads. 
image ads. Yeah, and responsive search ads. So it's sort of the, the way that I explained it, I actually think, you know, you do text ad first and then underneath there you would do either responsive search ads, image ads or responsive display ads. So either one of those would be a good option to follow through, follow with. But adding them in together obviously is the best combination to, you know, target across Google because you're not just getting people when they're putting a keyword search in, you're actually following them around the internet. So um, it's a huge advantage of Google to be able to do that. And it's an exciting way of advertising. Yeah, because then you are omnipresent. Like they're seeing you and they're seeing your brand and your logo. And also it's interesting the way this is that you keep coming up top of mind and then people think of it like, almost like a sign, like I was meant to do it. (laughs) She keeps popping up. Exactly. All right. Awesome. Can you use a client's photo for the Google ads? Yes, you can. So in the display network, you can do images. So obviously the text ads is the the first and foremost that we do, but yeah, you'd be following people around the internet with the responsive display ads and they're image-based. Yeah. So this is really eye-opening for you guys hearing like the differences with Add. So, okay, great. Carry on, Haley. What I actually really love about the, the display play ads and images that you can use is with Facebook, you can't use before and afters, but with Google, you actually can. So that's a bit of a positive difference between both platforms because before and afters work really well in selling your service or product. Yes, especially for the beauty industry. That's huge. Ooh, oh, I love that. You can use before and afters on Google ads. So good. Okay, awesome. Keep going. What Google Ads are looking for, what they're operating on is an auction process with a three-step system. So what they're looking for in your ads is the quality of your ads. Is your ad relevant and useful? So if someone is typing in a search term, does that answer the search term essentially? The expected impact of ads, so the use of extensions. So the extensions that I referred to before was, you know, is you have a phone call number on your Google ad, for example, what other extensions did I talk about? location extensions, price extensions. So are you actually telling them where you're located? Are you actually telling them about one of your service offerings? Yeah. And then expected bid, the maximum amount you're willing to pay for a click on your ad. You know, what's interesting to really think about is she didn't realize there were these other different options. And I'm thinking even back, oh my goodness, probably about seven years ago, it was really pretty basic. And now there is so much more, even with the Google My Business and different ways of really getting seen for your business. Yeah. I mean, it's a huge competitor to Facebook in a different way. So, and like Facebook, it's got billions and billions and billions of code learning every single day. So it knows granular details about its audience, not as granular as Facebook, but it's still very good. I think there's 75,000 searches per minute or something on Google, which is pretty phenomenal across the world. So there's definitely, there's people there. Your audience is on Google just as much as your audience is on Facebook. Yeah. And you guys have probably heard me say that Google owns YouTube. So they know things you're searching for. They know the videos that you're watching. They have all that data. Yeah. And they're following you around. So they know you can actually go into a section of Google and actually see what they know about you. And it's mind blowing the types of data that they've taken from your search and the actions that you do online to understand this sort of persona or create an avatar of you. It's really cool. It's also a little bit scary, but it's really cool. (laughs) 
is good for us data geeks, right? Okay, so so Facebook advertising, so it's become highly competitive over the years with the highest amount of monthly active users for any social media platform. It creates the actually, because of this, it creates the optimal space for a variety of businesses to advertise on. And as April mentioned, we talk about Facebook and Instagram together because they're both the owned platforms together. Within, If you're advertising on Facebook, you can just as easily advertise on Instagram, which is really good. The differences, while Google ads can be considered, you know, active user intent, Facebook ads are more passive. So going back to that example that I spoke about before with the Netflix, you know, I was start scrolling through my phone and get distracted. I am served ads from Facebook, but I'm not actively searching for them like I'm doing on Google. It's kind of like when you go up to the counter when you go shopping and you see some chocolate bars there and you're like... I'll grab that. I need that. (laughs) So it's that impulsive buying, but there's a lot of impulsive buying on Facebook and the market there is huge. Basically, the best placement on Facebook is your newsfeed. So when you're actually scrolling through uh, Facebook, you'll see a little sponsored ads that comes up. If you're on desktop, sometimes the ads come up in the right-hand column. Sometimes it might come up in the Facebook marketplace shopping section. Sometimes it comes up in Messenger, for example. The best area to advertise is the Facebook newsfeed compared to all of them. Example of a Facebook ad makeup. So you've got your primary text up the top. Uh, this one says Elabasha. If you actually look underneath the word Elabasha, you sponsored. So that's how you know that you're actually being served paid ad. It's not coming organically into your feed. So yeah, at the top, you've got the paid, the primary text, you've got the creative. So either an image, a video, a carousel, there's so many different options, a call to action. So buy now, shop now, learn more, and then a headline. So something catchy that's going to hook your audience in to whatever you're offering. So thinking about the advantages of Google ads versus Facebook ads. So Google ads, as I said, that is intent purchasing. Someone is searching for you actively or searching for your service actively on Google. It's keyword targeted. There's that huge potential reach. So 75,000 search keywords per second. Well, I said per minute, 75,000 keywords per second. That is insane. It's unbelievable, the reach. You can also What I actually really, really like about this is you can go do competitor search bids. So if you have a competitor that you know is taking a lot of your target audience, for example, you can use your competitor name in your Google Ads campaign. And when somebody types in your competitor name, you can come up. So have a little look next time you go for a search on Google based on a service that you're looking for or a system or whatever and see if that comes up and you'll unknowingly usually click on it. But it's a smart way of doing it. You get clicks and traction that way. Facebook ad advantages, they've got powerful audience targeting. I've never seen targeting like Facebook before. It is highly, highly granular. You can do interest-based targeting. You can do geo-targeting based on location, very detailed geo-targeting. You can target different interests, gender. What else can you target? Different demographics. There's just a lot of different targeting on Facebook that you can't do on Google Ads or any other network. There's 
nearly 2.5 billion active users on Facebook worldwide daily. That's a huge amount of reach. Obviously, you need a massive, massive budget on Facebook if you're trying to reach a huge audience, but geo-targeted audiences don't need that that large amount of reach because you're trying to target a small portion close to where your business resides. On Facebook, you can do visual ads. Videos and images work really well. They're really highly engaging. Switching it up with black and white images sometimes makes a big difference as well because people start seeing videos a lot of the time. If you're like me, I actually just sit and watch a ton of videos on Facebook. I consume so much content on Facebook and then I sort of come to and go, why am I watching this? I do it all the time, but... (laughs) But that's the thing. A lot of people do it. So that's why it's so highly engaging. Video is great. You're also interested in listening to people and understanding more about them or their business. You get stuck, yeah, trying to, it's really great brand awareness because you get to know someone if they're talking to you on Facebook. And again, difference to Facebook than Google is that it's an impulse buy. It's not that intent purchase. The question what would I pick for a business if I was a service-based business? So in terms of the... Before you say it, guys, so when you hear this information, which one are you leaning towards? Would you lean towards Facebook or Google knowing that? Like just, especially if you're not doing any advertising, I just want to know, play along with me and let me know, which would you pick? knowing all of the information. And it's hard because sometimes we, you know, you hear bad stories of people are like, oh, I heard bad stories about Facebook ads, or I heard bad stories about Google ads, or, you know, depending on what they had, you know, people have had different experiences, right? Or maybe their marketing wasn't right, their message wasn't right, their targeting wasn't right. And then they just say, oh, it doesn't work, right? And they throw the whole thing out. So I'm curious to see what people would say, but go ahead, tell us which one you would pick. Okay, so... I like both of them. (laughs) And it's probably not surprising to hear that because I'm a digital marketer. They both are amazing powerhouse platforms and they work in a complementary way. I don't think they work as competitors at all. Utilizing paid search and then utilizing paid social together, I feel like that's a highly effective, you know, highly holistic marketing strategy that can have a major return on investment impact for your business. But you know, if you just rolled your eyes at my last statement and you came here to truly find out which one you should be using, I hear you and I see you. What I'm going to say is that it really comes down to your business goals and what you're setting out to achieve in the first place. So if your main business goals, your main KPI is to reach new customers who are in that buying process, then I would say Google Ads may be a better fit for you. If you're building your brand awareness and compiling a strong audience, that's your main KPI, then Facebook will get you there and probably at a bit of a lower cost than Google because it's not really that conversion. It's brand awareness. You can get in front of many, many people in different ways with that. We've had success for both. So we've found with Facebook, it works really well if you've got a really juicy offer. Google ads, because it's that intense search, you don't often need to have that juicy offer to pull your audience in. So that's why I like Google ads. If you're not looking to provide, you know, a special discount or offer for your services to to pull in the customers. If it was me and I had only one amount of budget to pay for right now, I would first of all, obviously consider my goals 
And for the interest of getting revenue right now, though, I would put my money into Google Ads. Facebook ads over this time have had some changes. So you may have seen a podcast that April did not too long ago about iOS. So Apple iOS have provided more data privacy to their users, which has made Facebook advertising a little bit harder for us advertisers because there's less tracking data that that we can do on people who are interested in purchasing or have purchased. Plus, I think that's because there's so many advertisers on Facebook and because of that, it's actually brought the CPMs up. So that's cost per impressions, which is what you get charged for on Facebook rather than cost per click, which is on Google. So cost per impressions are starting to go up a little more as well. This might be just a little bit of volatility at the moment. We might see things kind of leveling out, but at the moment, it is just a little bit more expensive of a platform to advertise on, in my opinion, for service-based industries and lower budgets. Define the juicy offer that would get the client to book. Are you saying like or a fast action? Like maybe it's a bonus that you are offering. Maybe you have like a LED, you know, light healing therapy that you're going to add in to the treatment and no extra charge. Or how would you define a juicy offer, Haley? Yeah, exactly. I think that's a really great example of one. So one of our clients, we do, she has a wellness spa. And a juicy offer for her is actually bundle packaging. And it's really smart to do bundle packaging for her service-based business because basically she wants people to test her out, test out the service. It's an infrared chamber, basically. Three treatments is going to mean that they, they feel the difference. They get to know what it feels like to and the benefits of the service. And then they end up being like a longevity customer. So that's a bundle package that we do for her service. April, the one that you explained just then is a really good example for the PMU service, but you can also offer things such as a discount on your service. You can do like bring a friend, for example, and you can both come at a discounted price. There's lots of ways that you can chop and change it. Yeah. And it's basically what it is also is it is an offer that they can't get on your website. It's something that's going to entice them to act now. Yeah, it's exclusive. And what we do is going back to that marketing funnel and that top of funnel awareness, getting them through to consideration. So, you know, your top of funnel might be your offering and it's uh, the full price of your of your product or service. Once you start getting them through your funnel, and people actually purchase that top of funnel for sure, then there's people who don't know if they want to purchase or something happened and they got distracted and they didn't go ahead with purchase. And so we retarget them and then we'll often retarget them with an offer or we just retarget them with the service again in that middle of funnel. Then once they get to the bottom of funnel, then we go, okay, you've been through the top, you've been through the middle and you haven't converted. What can we do to make this really, really juicy for you? What can we do to get you through the door? And that's when we start offering the offer, the, either the discounted price or, you know, buy one, get one free or add a, bring a friend for free or whatever it is to get their foot in the door. And we do that with scarcity. So we say it's a limited time offer. I mean, you're not going to be lying about this stuff. You're probably not going to have the same offer available for, you know, a full year, for example. 
or it could be limited spots because there's limited spots and bookings for that week, for example. So adding some scarcity during that bottom of funnel or even middle of funnel phase will actually get people going, I don't want to miss out. They get that fear of fear of missing out, the FOMO, and they go, okay, I better purchase this before this really good discount goes or this really good offer goes or before this business fills up their seats and I can't get in because I know they're so good. I've read great testimonials about them. Yeah. And that's a really good point that you just made. And just kind of going back to what we were talking about with that funnel at the beginning that Haley was talking about, so many professionals, like they do ads at top of the funnel, somebody that is like cold audience, it doesn't really know them thinking that they're going to instantly convert. And what we're saying here, what Haley's saying and what any marketer will tell you is there's an expression that is the fortune is in the follow-up. And that is that you have to go back and, you know, retarget your audience with ads and follow up with your calls and follow up with your clients that have had services in the past and see if they want to come in for this new offer and just always be following up, right? Always, you know, check on people because we're all distracted. We're all busy. We all have a lot going on. And so having that discipline to put it on your calendar, to mark time off, to follow up with people, and also doing that with your advertising, making sure that you're running a campaign that is really going to serve you and your business overall and making sure you're not missing that middle retargeting part is important. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, we spend a lot of people get fixated on new customers, new customers and spending all that money at the top of funnel and just continually bringing on new customers. But client retention is what's going to continually bring you in a lot of money as well and upsells of your offers or or different things that you can sell to your customers. They already know, like, and trust you. They've got that affinity already. So all that heavy lifting and hard work is already done. What else do you have that they're interested in? that you can serve to them as an offer or part of your service. Yeah. And also Um, just to think of offer as, you know, your offer is your services, but packaged up in a unique way. So it's what, you know, it's a promotion that you have basically, but it's how you package that promotion. That's really important. If you had a limited budget, which a lot of people do, especially when they're first starting, would you say it is better to go maybe all of that budget on one platform with that strategy? Or would you, you know, divide that up? Like, you know, maybe let's say you had, you could spend $10 a day. Would you divide it up like five on Google and five on, you know, the Facebook, Instagram platform? Or would you just say, just take that 10 and put it into a strategic funnel on one platform? That's a really, really good question, April. So thanks for asking that. In terms of a $10 budget per day, it's a fairly low budget. In my opinion, I would do it on one platform and then scale to the next platform once you actually have that extra money and cash flow coming in to do some more marketing. On either platform, you need to test. We don't know what your who your market is. We can obviously do the customer research to find that out. We can understand your competitors and all of that stuff. But at the end of the day, we need to do the type you as the business owner, or if you work with an agency, need to do the type of testing to get you the best result. And you can't, if you test $5 a day on one platform and $5 a day on another platform, you're going to be testing for a lot amount, a longer period of time because Facebook, for example, we test until we get 1,500 impressions on an ad. And at a $5 a day budget, if you're testing 
you know, two or three ad sets and five to 10 ads, that's going to take a really long time. Yeah, that's a great point. And, you know, the other thing I just thought of is kind of thinking about my question. If you did have, you know, two different platforms running, a lot of times people are sending them back to just one website or maybe it's just one landing page. And then, you know, obviously you can see the data from behind the platforms, but a lot of like if they're doing it themselves and they're not able to read the data or see, you know, the stats, they might be like, I don't know which platform is sending me these clients, right? So if you're not yeah, yeah. following up with it, you know, if they're just trying to do it themselves and it's a lot of how much does this cost on Facebook price shopping, just trying to see the price on. Oh, okay. So you get messages. Is, on- is that your conversion objective? Is it is it messenger? Maybe even they could just be calling. Gets a lot more of what you would consider price shoppers. And because remember, again, this is, they weren't directly looking for you when your ad popped up, right? You know, they might have expressed interest in beauty and other things and Facebook thought to target them based on, you know, your targeting that you put in or lookalikes or other things that you have going on. But really, you know, they weren't actively searching. So the first question on their mind is how much does this cost? Because it's not, it wasn't what they were searching for. Yeah. What I usually like to do is put the cost up on the landing page. It's Of course, it's a great idea to open the conversation. If you're doing like a bundle package or something, we always put the cost up there and this is how much you're saving so people know. With your landing page, of course, this is just a little side thing is that, yes, you might be driving people to your website, but a landing page is different. And just like the marketing funnel, you're actually getting people into your landing page and you're funneling them down to make that purchase. So essentially, when you're thinking about your landing page, you don't want to have all the navigation at the top of your landing page because you don't want them to take an action off your site. You want to have everything that you need to have on that page to funnel them down to make that purchase. So you've got your your product cost or your offering, uh, sorry, your service cost or your offering. You've got images of your service. So you, you might have before and after images, for example. You've got your experience, what you can bring to the table, what you've done. You've got references. You've got testimonials of people who had a really great experience with you. So it's like that validation piece. And then you've got very clear call to actions, purchase buttons at the top and at the bottom as because people will go from the top to the bottom to to read your website. So purchase or book our service or whatever it gets sent to. But yeah, with the tracking, going back to the tracking, there is ways that you can obviously track purchases on Facebook versus Google. There's UTM tracking where you have like a code on a URL link. And with Facebook, of course, is the fact that you drop a pixel on your website and that pixel has event codes set up to it. So if people take an action and they decide to add to cart, click a button to make a purchase for example, then that's all calculated back into Facebook. This has made this a little bit difficult because of the data privacy thing. Some of those actions aren't actually being fed back into the reporting on Facebook, but you should be able to see traction on Facebook if you've set it up that way. Yeah, that's awesome. Was there anything else that you wanted to cover? At the end of the day, guys, like we love what we do. We've worked with many service-based businesses Beauty is one that we specialize in, but across all different types of industries we work with. So we know what works. We make sure that we add in all of the right tracking so you know where you're actually getting 
the best conversions on if you decide to do both of them, regardless if you decide to do one or the other, we do call tracking. So if somebody's going to pick up and then we know that that ad has actually bought in that call or potential conversion. So that's sort of the, the most important thing with advertising is making sure that you understand your reporting. You can look at your reporting and look at that data and then optimize and change the way that you create your ads to target different people to make that purchase action. I think it was great. And look, you guys, if you've got a few questions just about Facebook ads and Google ads in general, just message me. I am honestly happy to share the wisdom and help you out with a few questions that you might be stuck on. Okay. So that's everything. So thank you so much, Haley, for being here. It's awesome. This knowledge was so great. Bye guys. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Beauty Marketing Simplified podcast. And if you enjoyed today's episode, we would love to hear from you. Make sure you subscribe, download, and also leave us a review. Let us know any topics that you would like to hear about. And also definitely refer it to a friend. Thank you again for joining us. I'm signing off. This is April with Grit and Grace, hugs and high fives. See you next week.